0: Welcome back to The Long Distance Work Life, where we help you lead, work, and thrive in remote and hybrid teams. I'm Marissa Eikenberry, a fellow remote worker, and joining me is my co-host and remote work expert, Wayne Tremell. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Welcome (laughs) aboard. Welcome aboard the Long Distance Work Life ship, right? (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about boundaries with your team members, with your boss, with people that you work with, whatever that works, whatever that looks like. So... I wanted to start off, Wayne, because you know we have episodes all the time where we have a topic and you go on a rant, and so it's my turn. I'm taking the rants. I'm sitting in the rant chair today. <laughs> Excellent.
1: I love this ranting. Very few people know ranting, Marissa, and she is well worth the price of admission.
0: So there's another story I'm going to say later, but I'm actually going to start with something different than what we had talked about right before we started the show. But I had a situation a couple weeks ago where email was treated like a synchronous form of communication and it drove me absolutely up the wall. <laughs> so, okay. So
1: when you say that, when you yes. say that it was treated as a form of asynchronous or synchronous communication, help our listeners. Yes. What specifically was going on?
0: So I volunteer with an organization. I will not name the organization because I also won't be with them much longer for this reason, but essentially an email was sent to me after hours on a friday and at monday at 8 a.m well they hadn't heard from me yet so they contacted somebody else that knows me well she didn't respond and apparently also called me but didn't leave a voicemail or a text message so i couldn't respond to anything um we've talked about this on a couple episodes before i'm a recovering workaholic (laughs) Like I, I was so bad about boundaries when I first started. I worked all the time. I would, I would respond to your email as long as I was awake. Like it was, it was bad. It was really bad. And I have done everything in my power and, and even more so in the last year to try and prevent that. And one of the things that I do is on Friday night, I don't answer emails. I don't look at social media for 24 hours. Like I don't look at anything until Monday morning. I don't care if it's my personal email. I don't care if it's my work email. I do not look at it at all. And unfortunately, (laughs) this person sent me an email at 8.50 p.m. on a Friday and then wondered why I hadn't seen it by 8 a.m. Monday morning. Well, at first it was, okay, it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. I'm mad, but it's fine. And then a couple days later, she sent another email, which I knew was coming. I just didn't know what time it was going to come. At like 4.35 in the afternoon, I end my day at four o'clock. I go hang out with my husband. I make dinner. We watch a movie, whatever. I don't look at my email at night. At 8.45 that evening, I get a text message. Well, you didn't respond to my email yet. I didn't know I even got it. And there was just this idea that. Email was going to be used as this synchronous form of communication, as this, you know, chat or text in a way that like we don't preach here. And I've been very lucky to not have really experienced this very much in the last, you know, nine years that I've worked here. And I think there was just a moment of this goes against what we teach. This goes against the boundaries that I have set. This goes against everything we stand for. (laughs) Like I was ticked.
1: Well, and and understandably so, right? Right. Here's the thing: I'm putting myself in the other person's shoes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everybody who works with this person knows how she operates and has allowed this to happen. And by the way, many of them may have uh, may operate in the same way,
0: right? Yeah, and this is not somebody I'd ever worked with before.
1: So this is a cultural behavior thing. And the problem with human beings is we assume that our behavior or our position is the default until proven otherwise. And that proof seldom comes in the form of gentle correction. It (laughs) usually comes in the form of conflict. Right. Right. So-and-so never answers my email so-and-so is driving me crazy with text messages we have what we have and we're doing what we're doing and we're communicating what we need to communicate and our natural assumption even to the outside world it looks like insane behavior (laughs) but the most insane behavior has a rational purpose and and reason for existing if you know what that is right what's going on in that person's mind right and so we've got somebody who behaves in a certain way has obviously not had this be a problem before
0: which is so surprising to me but yes
1: (laughs) well because one of two things happens either she's working with people of a similar generation mindset whatever. So mm-hmm. they all kind of think the same way and they've been doing it for a while.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Or nobody wants to have that conversation with Cruella.
0: And I think that one might be <laughs> might be the sticking point.
1: And especially with nonprofits and volunteer type organizations. I, I remember I had a guy who worked for me on a part-time basis. Who was at one point CEO of a very large nonprofit? Okay. And we were having dinner one night, and I said, Steve, what is the best thing about leading a nonprofit? And he said, Oh, people are motivated, they're not driven by money, they're doggedly determined. Uh, and they don't take no for an answer. And I said, very cool. What's the worst thing? They're not motivated by money. They're (laughs) doggedly determined, and they don't take no for an answer.
0: Right. The blessing becomes the curse in that way.
1: When people are driven... To do something and their mission is the most important thing, it becomes very easy n- either not to pay attention to the needs of other people or to assume that the needs of other people are always subservient to the needs of the mission.
0: Right. Well, and, and before we go too far down, because like I, I don't want anybody to think we're bashing nonprofits or volunteer organizations. No, 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 not
1: do. at all, but we're talking about the behavior.
0: Right. And so, Just kind of to build off of this, how can managers or team leaders actually effectively communicate expectations around these boundaries to their remote team members? Like, how can we set up these these things so that way stuff like this doesn't happen?
1: I think it's like so much. We haven't had explicit conversations. Or if we have, it's been kind of Mm -hmm. one-on-one. As a team when you're coming together, when you're forming, storming, norming, all those lovely phrases about team construction and design, when you are coming together as a group, have you had the conversation uh, about when do you email and what are the expectations? What are, uh, when do you text? When do you use your webcam? When do you not? Mm -hmm. Those need to be explicit Or somebody is not going to live up to somebody else's expectations, because we all have our preferences and our styles and and whatever. Um, One of the things that obviously nobody has told this well-meaning person (laughs) is and, and listen to me, dear podcast listeners, I cannot stress this enough. Email is not a synchronous form of communication. Amen. If you are sending an email and then sitting there drumming your fingers waiting for an answer, you are using it wrong.
0: Yeah, it should have been a text message or a phone call or a Slack message or any number of these things. Any number
1: of things that we have come to realize are more synchronous. Now, I can remember back in the day when email was kind of a synchronous form of communication. Mm-hmm. Because there was no other way. There was a phone call or there was an email. And what we now use chat for mm-hmm. didn't really exist. Right. Especially in the workplace. It's funny, we had Yahoo chat and all that stuff, right? Uh for our personal use, but it wasn't really in use in the workplace for a really long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so and this kind of goes to expectations around when people are in the office and when they're not. And what do they do with their, uh, I mean, this woman would be shocked to know probably that you can turn off notifications.
0: Right. And that people don't check their emails at certain hours of the day.
1: (laughs) But here's the thing. Nobody had that conversation. Nobody had that conversation with her. No, You did not have a conversation with her before you decided to turn off your notifications.
0: Well, and because Either. I was gonna say because of this, and and I've I've teased about it, but I'm almost I'm almost serious about it. Um, I know that there are some people that use their out of office type messages when they're not online, just to say, hey, I'm not online during these days or these hours. Here's when you can expect a response from me. And up until last week, this has never been a problem for me. But I've almost considered adding one for this reason, because there's a reason I'm not online during certain hours of the day and certain days of the week and and people should feel like they're safe to do that.
1: (laughs) Well, absolutely. And so I've seen people do some really interesting things. One is they actually set their out of office on their email when the day ends.
0: Right. Like they I've have a too.
1: standard out of office message that they do. I'm out of the office now. I'm back in at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Talk to you then. Mm-hmm. If it's an emergency, text me at. Of course. I've also seen people put it in their signature.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That says, you know, Wayne Tremell, Kevin Eikenberry group, blah, blah, blah. In order to you know, maintain work-life balance, I will answer all emails first thing in the morning.
0: Yeah, I've seen some similar ones. They don't say it quite like that, but they'll say, I use email as a asynchronous form of communication. You can expect a response within 24 hours.
1: Exactly. And at first blush that A feels really formal and weird. It does. Right? It's interesting. A lot of people do that with their... Work email. They've gotten better about that. What they don't do it with, and I'm bad about this, is their personal email. Mm -hmm. I constantly forget to set out-of-office stuff on my personal email.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do too. I just don't check it.
1: (laughs) Well, because you are a disciplined, highly intelligent human being and very aware.
0: And it took me a long time to get there.
1: (laughs) And you weren't born that
0: way. Yeah, amen.
1: (laughs) But this is... This is the thing that Mm -hmm. we talk about so often. When there is not an explicit conversation, when we have not set guidelines that everybody has agreed to, it's the Wild West. Everybody is going to respond the way that they respond. Mm -hmm. And they assume that that is the natural order of things. It took me a long time to come to the very obvious realization that the world does not think like I do.
0: <laughs> right. The day I learned that people don't communicate the same way I do, my mind was blown.
1: I was like, really? You don't do that? No, we don't, Wayne. You are a freak of nature, and you must understand how we mortals choose to deal with this. Yes. <laughs> and... and so explicit conversations but and they don't have to be super formal um there is a biblical admonition that says the first time you have a problem with somebody you let it slide the second time you talk to that person the third time you take it to the authorities you know this is i i paraphrase uh but that's kind of the thing right the first time somebody does it you know i i'm a firm believer that once is happenstance twice is coincidence three times is enemy action right and so anybody can get frustrated and stuff once oh yeah the second time there is definitely a pattern developing here by the third time if you do not address it you are in fact condoning it right There is the pattern has been established. If you don't do anything to disrupt that pattern, it is going to continue. And if it is going to continue, you have two options as human beings. One is to just get with the program and say, okay, when I'm dealing with Marissa, this is what I got to deal with. Right. The second thing is to get really angry and bitter and start gossiping and talking spack about Marissa (laughs) until we finally have to have it out and deal with it. Mm-hmm. I would prefer to do that in a civilized fashion. So to be able to say, hey, Marissa, and this is an important feedback thing for anybody. When you do X,
0: mm-hmm. this
1: is how it appears to me or this is how it affects me. Yes. Be very specific, not just what do you doing? Send in emails after 830. Right. Or I'm not going to answer emails that come in after it. I'm struggling with my work-life balance. I am trying to do this. And if it is really time-sensitive, here's an alternative way to reach me. Yes. You have my phone number. Text me. That conversation needs to be explicit. As a manager, when you see people struggling with boundaries Mm -hmm. do not take advantage of it okay (laughs) i mean it is really tempting it's like well marissa's going to be around anyway i'll ask her this question because she's going to respond you don't don't be that person okay you don't (laughs) want to take advantage of somebody's foibles like that uh but when you're having your one-on-one have that hey i noticed that you're sending a lot of emails late at night what's going on there mm-hmm. well I have FOMO well it you know freaks me out to show up in the morning and I've got a 32 emails waiting for me and it stresses me out so whatever the reason right and there probably is one oh yeah I need to know what that is so I can coach you help you let you know that it's okay mm-hmm because a lot of times and I I know that I've said this before but it is crucial we as managers don't understand how our actions are interpreted we know how we mean it like I say if I send an email late at night just so it's off my plate and out of my head and I can get on with what I'm doing My expectation is not that you're going to drop everything at some bizarre hour of the night or make the kids read themselves to bed so you can answer this question. Right. That was never my intention. But now I see how my actions impact you. We need to have a conversation about boundaries.
0: Well, into to that point, too. I mean, now there are so many other tools out there that will allow you to schedule an email so that way it does reach them at a more reasonable hour. You can still get it out exactly when you're thinking about it, but it doesn't reach my inbox until 8 a.m. when I'm in the office.
1: You know what's funny is about two months ago, there was a change to Outlook that I, you know, they update stuff all the time. I of never course. thought about it. When I log on at seven in the morning, there is a little message in the upper left-hand corner of my screen that says, you are outside normal working hours. Do you want to send this email or schedule it for later?
0: That's fascinating. It's
1: by default up in the upper left-hand corner of your outlook.
0: See, I haven't seen that because I'm only ever looking at outlook during work hours. That's fascinating.
1: You know, the sun revolves around the Statue of Liberty, and so all business takes place in East Coast time. But... That's just it. It's in pale blue font up at the top of your screen, and I actually have to no. I mean to send it yeah. now because it's ten o'clock to the person I'm sending it to. Um, but that's kind of cool.
0: Well, Slack does something similar. Yeah. You know, if if I'm sending you a message, you know, the fact that you're in a different time zone, it'll tell me it's seven a.m. for Wayne right now. You know, and. I can still choose to send that if I want to, especially if I know you're already online. Um, and there are also things, too, where, you know, this person's in Do Not Disturb right now. You can send it and they'll they'll get it. But do you want to ping them? I'm also going to tell you, do not ping people unless it's an emergency. I've been pinged for crap before that I was like, this could have waited until tomorrow.
1: You know what just occurred to me? Yes. It just occurred to me now. And we are running way, way, way. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive me. Um, when software engineers mm-hmm. are telling you you need to chill.
0: <laughs> right? You
1: need to chill.
0: I was going to say, me as a tech person, like, I'm like, chill, put, put, shut off your notifications. Shut, it's clearly a things. big
1: enough problem that it is worth addressing in the tool itself. That should tell you something. Right. And- Set your boundaries.
0: Yes. And I know that there's so many more things that we could talk about with boundaries. So we're definitely going to have to do another episode to talk about some of the other boundaries that you can set um, with other people. But for now, thank you so much, Wayne, for answering these questions. This was a blast. I can't wait to dive into more of this topic with you in the future. And for you, listener, thank you for listening to the Long Distance Work Life. For show notes, transcripts, and other resources, make sure to visit longdistanceworklife.com. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, be sure to like and review. This helps us know what you love about our show. Feel free to contact us via email or LinkedIn with the links in our show notes. Let us know you listened to this episode or suggest a topic for Wayne and I to tackle in a future episode. And if you'd like to learn more about remote teams, order Wayne Tremell and Kevin Eikenberry's new book, The Long Distance Team. You can learn more about the book at longdistanceteambook.com. Thanks for joining us. And as Wayne likes to say, don't let the weasels get you down.